Tonight we're going we're gonna to talk about worship a little bit. And uh, I know Pastor did a series a while back on the subject. And uh, uh, I, I laugh sometimes when the Lord talks to me about what he wants me to minister on. I, I, I was like, you can't possibly be serious that you want me to talk about that. I don't think I've ever ministered on the subject of worship. If I have, it was to the kids a long, long time ago. So, so but you know what? The Lord's taught me some things. And, uh, and I just trust that, that he's got some things that he's going to show us. Amen? You know, I, uh, I remember as a kid, there were a number of TV shows and movies where there'd be some person that was mistaken for a deity. And, you know, the little half-naked natives were like chanting and bowing. And I thought, you know, that is ridiculous. But for some reason... It, when I was young, that is the idea of worship that I got into my head. Worship is like weird and, and it's uncomfortable. And then I was in a church, you'll, you'll laugh, you'll appreciate, some of you'll appreciate this because you may have attended that church. Um, but, uh, but then I attended a church where the men worshiped like this or like this, possibly like this. That was the only three positions that were allowed. The women were like... dancing, <laughs> you know, and uh, did I just do that in church? Yes, I did. Throw that videotape away, please. Um, so, so, you know, that, that did not help me, do you understand, in understanding what worship was, because, you know, it's like worship is for women. That is what worship is, and the men are supposed to be very stoic. And serious, but you know, obviously, worship is not <laughs> mindless bowing and chanting. Worship is not singing songs or closing your eyes or raising your hands or dancing or, or back in the day, anybody there? Some of y'all are too young. Some of you old people helped me out here. You know, we carried signs and they did tambourines and Hebrew music. Y'all remember that? Anybody in church back in those days? You were there. You're so young. You must have been like five. <clears throat> Eight, okay. <laughs> and worship is definitely not just for women, okay? So uh, Merriam-Webster says that worship is to honor or show reverence for a divine being or a supernatural power. Amen? So, you know, we have to kind of look at worship sometimes and make sure that the way we're worshiping, the way we're thinking about worship lines up to what the Bible says worship actually is, Okay. You know, in order to, uh, you can go ahead and tur turn over to Psalm 8 if you want. I'm going to skip through some scriptures tonight, so I'm not going to ask you to turn to every one. You can try to keep up with me on some of those, but uh, I, I'm not trying to go too fast, but I have to reference a few things, so, and I want to cover quite a bit of territory. I don't get to come and minister all that often, see, so I got to make sure I get as much out as I can. Um, Psalm 8, verse 1, O Lord, our, O Lord, ah. I'm going to start over. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than, and it says God, but it doesn't, or it says angels, but that's not right. That they love to translate it that because that's, you know, in a lot of translations it says they made you a little lower than the angels. No, it's a little lower than God. Because, you know, but but it's kind of like it's kind of like Isaiah 53. Surely he hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. They just can't put that in there because it's like, well, there's still a lot of people sick. So let's change it to griefs and sorrows. The only place in the Bible where they translated that differently. You think about that. But this one, they did the same thing. That's too good to be true. Now, we're not God. You understand that, right? But he made us in his image to be like him so that he could have fellowship. And that's so exciting. And, and yet, Adam and Eve committed high treason. They turned on God. They, they followed the devil instead of following God. And, and they put us in a bad place, but Jesus, amen, he came to fix things and he came to make it so that we could have a relationship with him. 
In Revelation chapter 20, I'm skipping ahead here, um, and, and I'm just reading verse 11 out of that. It, it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him, God, who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. I mean, just the presence of God, everything just scatters, okay? You know, when Jesus, in the garden, the Bible says that when, when they came and said, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I am. <laughs> they all fell to the ground. You know, just the presence of God is so awesome and so amazing that, that, that earth and heaven just flee, 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 ah, flee from him at that moment when that's, that's the final judgment for the unsaved. And, and I think, you know, we, we, we sometimes, you know, we, we, we think of God and we have awe and respect for him, but sometimes it's too mind-boggling. We don't quite know what to do with it. You know, that's why I love the fact that, that's, that, that we have the uh, uh, gift of uh, speaking in tongues. I tell you, well, that helps. Amen? Amen. Isaiah chapter 6, you can turn there if you wish. Isaiah speaking. Isaiah had a... <laughs> Isaiah, I, lo I love this because he's so like us. Amen. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. The two he covered, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple was filling with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know, when we actually worship him and we just forget about ourselves and forget about everybody around us and it's just him and me, all of a sudden sometimes I'm like, wow, I need to straighten a few things out. Have you ever been there? <laughs> But, but you know what? You know, the, the Lord sent an angel to touch his lips with a coal and said, your sins are forgiven. Forget about that. And then he went straight from there to, what can I do for you, God? Now, now we, don't, we don't earn brownie points with God by serving him. We fulfill what he made us to do by serving him. And, and I'll tell you what, wonderful things can come out when we actually start worshiping. You know, the, the Hebrews, let's see, Hebrews chapter 10 says in verse 19, it says this, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and since we have a great priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We don't have to have an angel bring a coal and touch our lips. We've been washed clean with the blood of Jesus. And, and, and another place in Hebrews it says, enter boldly. Enter boldly into his presence. You know, but, but we can do this whole thing. Yeah, but I feel so inadequate. O okay. Corinthians tells us that in him we're adequate. He's made us adequate. All right? And, and, you know, the Bible says that without faith it's impossible to... It's impossible to please him. So we just have to trust that what he says in his word is true for those of us who have received him and accepted him into our lives. And so when he says enter boldly, that means... And, and not only does it say enter boldly, it says enter boldly in your time of need. Hello? So that means when everything isn't going perfect, when you haven't been perfect. He says, enter boldly in your time of need. See, he wants us in his presence. He wants us to just walk in and go, Dad, here's what's going on. 
He already knows, but he likes it when we come and talk to him. Pastor Hagen can't sing. Um, you know, I was on staff down there, down in that church for 18 years. And I wasn't on staff 18 years, but I was there 18 years. And, and uh, you know, he said, I like to go out in my garage and just sing to the Lord. And, and people kind of chuckle, and he goes, God thinks I sing real good. <laughs> you know what? He, he does. He thinks you sing real good. Even if you can't sing like Teresa and Carissa and Fran. God knows I cannot sing like them. But, you know, we honor, we revere him. We utterly and completely respect him and, you know, for his holiness. You know, I, I, I used to just cringe at that. I, I, I hate to admit this, but, you know me, I'll come and tell you because the Lord always has me bare my soul here, right? Uh, you know, when, when the angel, you know, they're calling holy, 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 and I'd be like, <sighs> I feel the exact opposite of holy. But you know what? Don't, don't let the fact uh, that he is holy make you want to run and hide. All right? Don't, don't do that. You know, we can be thankful that God is holy. You know what? Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. We love order. Think about this. Do you like it when your house is a mess? When your yard is a mess? When your grass isn't growing right? It's full of weeds? Do you like that? No, 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 no. We don't like that. We like order. Do you like it when your bed's made? Yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody who'd prefer their bed not be made. Now, I, I lots of times don't get up and make my bed. My wife is more likely to make it than me. And then there's those days that neither one of us make it. I'm good with that. But don't you like walking in? You know, we, we talk about this. When we got married, we laughed because, because we both like going on vacation and coming home to a clean house. You know? It's just like, yeah, that is that feels now. Coming home to a disaster, we don't like that. Think about it. We like perfect. We like clean. We like HGTV, beautifully renovated homes. My wife and I watch HGTV sometimes. We, want, we like beautiful mountains and lakes and oceans and clouds and sun and moon and stars and the Black Hills. And, and there's beauty in the deserts and the plains and the Nebraska sand, sand hills. And, 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 you know, we're disgusted by trash and filth and disrepair and abandoned buildings. Now think about all this, right? See, see God's character is built right down deep inside of us. And when, so when he says, holy, 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 you know, those angels worshiping him, that they're not mindless robots, you guys. Do you understand that? They're, they are beings with a will. They, some of the angels chose to follow Lucifer, and, and, and most of the angels had enough sense to stay with God. But, but they, they are creatures with a will. They're not robots. They're up there, they're yelling and shouting, holy, 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 and bowing because they know him, because they get him, because they've been around him and see who he is and see what he is and what he's done. And, and so, so don't, don't be intimidated by, by the concept that he's holy. It's a good thing that he's holy. And, and the truth is, is that you've been made holy by the blood of Jesus. Now, I doubt if you're going around going, holy, holy, holy. Yes, that is me. Anybody do that? Don't raise your hand. Um, anyway, you know, we, we, we uh, somebody raised their hand back there. I just want y'all to know that. <laughs> Revelation 4. This is John's vision. John, you know, actually, I don't know. I don't know if it was a vision. I think, you know, the Lord said, come up here. Some of it was a vision. But I, anyway, in verse 5 of Revelation 4, it says, Out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, as if that wouldn't be intimidated just by itself, right? And there were seven lamps of fire burning, and these were the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass. We'll skip to verse 8. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, just like what Isaiah saw, full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. See, they know about the plan. And they can't wait. They're excited. Now, see, you, know, you think about this. They know him better than anybody. They're just sitting there in the throne room all the time. They see what God's up to and what he's doing. 
Verse 9, and when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, which includes the disciples, some of the disciples, most of them, uh, will fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before him, saying, do you ever think about that now? They keep casting their crowns. How do the crowns get back to their head? Does a new one appear or do they get it back? I don't know the answer, do you? Y'all are looking at me like, why would you even think about that? Because it's weird. Anyway, verse 11, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. You know, I, I, I actually read online that there are some people who are offended by the concept of worshiping God. First of all, these people are under the notion that God commands us to worship him. I tell you, I, I don't know of any verses that, where God tells us to worship him. Do you? I don't think you do either, because I don't think there are any. He doesn't tell us to worship him. The people who worship him, the angels who worship him, are doing it because they want to, because they know him and they recognize who he is. Second of all, these are the same, no doubt, people who are screaming their heads off at any sporting event or you know, any kind of contest, or have you ever seen, this is this going back for some of you people who are older than me, uh, do you remember the video of the, when the Beatles first came to the United States? The, there was absolute hysteria, young girls fainting, because, and, and, and they want to criticize us for worshiping God, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No, no. See, See, God does not expect us, ask us, demand us to worship him. And we can prove that by scripture, and we're going to do that. But uh, look here, I need everybody to turn to Isaiah 43, 21, because there's some misconceptions about this verse, so we need to take a look at it. Um, the, the nearly inspired version did a particularly bad job of translating this verse, and, and I'm not trying to pick on them, but... but but I actually like reading out of the NIV. I used to read out of the NIV all the time, but they did a really poor job of translating this verse because they added a word that totally changes the meaning of this verse. All right, Isaiah 43, 21 says, the people whom I formed for myself will declare my praise. You see God telling you to praise him there? Did he tell you to do anything? No, he just says that's what's going to happen. Because he knows us, and he knows those of us who love him are going to praise him. Isn't that right? Do you like to praise God? Yes. Okay, so we're good. But the NIV says this. The people, now think about this. The people I formed for myself, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Now think about that for a second. See, what that says is that the reason God made us was so we'd praise him. Like we're little praise robots or something like that. Uh, that's not right. That word that is not there. So the people I formed for myself, period, they may proclaim my praise is what's in the Hebrew. That word that is not there. All right. Now, I, dig, I did a little digging. I'm not a big Greek scholar, guys. I, I'm not going to pretend that I am. I thank God for Rick Renner frequently you know who that is. He is a Greek scholar, and uh, I, I appreciate him a lot, but uh, I, I did do some, uh, some digging on this verse, and a better translation of that verse. Listen to this one. You're going to like this. It says, the people whom I formed for myself, they celebrate and remember with voice or in song. Now, that's actually very, very literal from the Hebrew. They celebrate and remember with voice or in song. Now that I like. But the idea that he made us to work, praise him. Now see, he, he didn't make us to praise him. That, that, would be, that would be like, you know, manipulation almost. Right. He didn't do that. He would never do that. He loves us. He, cared. he made us to fellowship with him, but he didn't make us to, oh, no. No, he didn't, he didn't do that. Turn over to, we're going to, Go. No, wait a minute. It's, you know, I, I think, how do I say this? You know, um, 
you know, as we get to know God, uh, thankfulness will build up inside of us till we're not able to keep silent about it anymore. I, I had a friend uh, back in the 80s. She's gone home to be with the Lord now, but she was a Presbyterian woman all of her life. And she was laying on her bed and she'd lay on her bed and just worship the Lord and tell him how much he loved, she loved him and how good he'd been to her and thanked him over and over. And she said, Lord, I just don't have the words. I don't have the words to thank you. And all of a sudden, a new language started coming out of her mouth. She didn't know, she had no idea what that was, but she goes, this seems really good and really right, so I'm just going to keep doing this. So then she, uh, she, she left the church she'd been in and found a group that knew what that was. But, but you think about that, you know, um, Jeremiah, you guys remember in Jeremiah 20, you don't have to look it up, but he said, if I say I will not speak anymore in his name, then in my heart it becomes like a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary of holding it in, and I cannot endure it. You know what? I, sometimes I get so thankful, and I'm not the most thankful person in the world. Uh, don't, don't look at me and say anything, okay? I'm going to just <laughs> pretend you're not sitting here. I'm not always the most thankful or appreciative person in the world. There, I'll stand here. <laughs> but, but you know what? Sometimes I get so pumped up about what God's doing and how faithful God is. I can't, I cannot stop. I just can't, I mean, I just got to let him know. And I'll do this. Do you ever do this? This is a good thing to do. Oh, it's like, all right, Lord, I'm going to tell you 50 things I'm thankful for. And I just start. My wife is at the top of the list, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Pastor Tony, you get on there too. You too, Jeanette. Turn over to John chapter 4. Okay, you two stop. All right, the peanut gallery is in the back of the church tonight instead of the front. Trouble back there. All right, anyway, they're like, what about us? I'm like, all right, John chapter 4. This is a familiar story where Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Now, I want you to th think about this. In six verses, the word worship appears 10 times. In two of the verses where Jesus is talking, he uses the word worship five times. So maybe we should take a look at that if we're going to talk about worship, huh? So uh, John chapter 4, we'll start with verse 19. Jesus had stopped. Uh, he was walking. The, 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 the fastest route from point A to B was through Samaria. And uh, the Jews didn't associate with the Samaritans. The Samaritans didn't associate with the Jews. The Samaritans thought they were right. The Jews knew they were right. And, um, and so Jesus was tired. He sat down by the well. He sent the disciples into town to get food. And a woman comes along, and he asks her to give him a drink, which she was shocked because he was a Jew, and he spoke to her. But anyway, we'll skip ahead to verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir... Uh, he had just told her, uh, she said, he, he said to her, go get your husband. And, and, and she said, um, I don't have a husband. And he goes, that's true. He's, she's, he said, you've had six husbands and the one you're living with now is not your husband. She goes, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> Verse 20. So she goes straight to the point. Are you right or are we right? Verse 20, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you people say, I love that, you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when, praise God, when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true, and that word actually means truthful, truthful worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. You know, an hour is coming, and now is. Amen. When you're not going to worship on this mountain, and you're not going to worship in Jerusalem, you might go there. You could worship in Jerusalem. But you know what? The, the Bible tells us that 
that you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're a cathedral. We're the church. We, uh, we can worship anywhere, anytime, any hour of the day, any place. You could go to Jerusalem and worship, but you know, it wouldn't be any different than worshiping right here or in your car. Hallelujah. Or laying on your bed in the middle of the night when you wake up and wish you were asleep. You know, they're, they're, you can worship anytime, anywhere, anywhere you want to. <laughs> you know, sometimes uh, I, I understand that some people are bothered also by this phrase in here where it says that, that um, worship, uh, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. They're bothered that God is seeking worshipers. Okay, so they're misunderstanding what that says, so let's talk about that, okay? My parents were antique collectors. They found some amazing pieces. They, uh, they had some amazing antiques in their house, some things they shouldn't have had, some things that should have been in a museum. They had a chair that was Napoleon Bonaparte's personal furniture design that don't know how it got separated and don't know how it got away from a museum, but my mom and dad had that. They had a grandfather clock that many people considered to be the finest grandfather clock ever made. And they had some, some beautiful antiques. But when my grandparents passed away, they inherited their, they had a, a beautiful oak table that had uh, five press back chairs with it. It was missing a chair. And so my parents, who could not drive by an antique store without stopping, uh, were seeking after and hunting for the, a chair to match so they'd have all six chairs to go with the table. And there were years and years, I mean probably five, six, seven, eight years at least, that they just, they'd get off the interstate, start driving through little towns and little highways to get wherever they were going. And if there was some store there, some you know, antique store, junk store, usually looked pretty dilapidated and frightening. Those were the ones they liked the best. And, uh, you know, my, da my dad carried a box home one day. The, you know, the furniture, they have a, a love seat in their apartment now, a love seat and chairs that all match. And, uh, and they were all in a box in pieces. And the guy goes, I think all the parts are there. I'll sell it to you for 40 bucks. So he got a chair and, and, uh, and I, don't, I think there were three chairs and a, a love seat that, and all the parts were there. Dad took it home. His, his favorite thing to say was, uh, I buy junk and sell priceless antiques. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, one day somewhere in Northern Iowa, they walked into a rickety old store and sitting in the back of the store along the wall was an identical chair that matched Grandpa and Grandma's set. I think they were asking 35 for it. Dad talked me down to 25, and they carried it home. See, that was my dad. But, but you understand there that, that they were seeking after that. You know, John 4 says, A time is coming, and now has come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers God seeks. You know what? God, God is on the lookout for worshipers. God is ready to connect to somebody whose heart is turned toward him. You know, we can go through the motions. I can stand in church and, and go through all three songs on Wednesday and all four songs on Sunday morning and not worship one second. Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm saying. We can, we can go through the motions. I can sing all the words and be thinking about lunch or thinking about, you know, something that went wrong that day or, or something like that. You know, things, things happen. Funny things happen. You know, life's busy. Life's a little complicated. But the Father is on the lookout for people whose heart are His, who are turned, they've turned their hearts to Him. And he is on the lookout. You know, all of us want to connect with people that we trust. All of us want to connect to people that we love and that love us. All right? You know, you probably have relatives that you like better than others. You know? Hello? We like to hang around with people who, who we love and that love us, don't we? 
You know, God's no different. He made us that way. He designed us. Do you understand our makeup is just the way he made us to be? So, so that's not a bad thing that he's seeking after people who have a heart toward him and have turned their hearts toward him. You know, like I said, I can go through worship and not worship the Lord one second. I can also go through worship and worship him every second of that. And I can jump right in and, and start praising him. You know, recently I, I, I heard on the news this last week that, that they were criticizing the president because the White House staff were hiring people that they knew and were surrounding themselves with relatives and friends. Really? Yeah, think? Who do you trust? You know, if, if I made you president today, who do you think you'd hire? Do you think you'd have nobody in there you knew? No, you're, you'd be like going, you know, Mark is a really good guy. I think I need Mark in there with me because I got to have somebody in there I can trust. You know, I mean, it only makes sense. The presidents, all the presidents have done that. You know, President Trump certainly did that. Of course, you know, people criticize him for that. You know, Psalm 101, you don't have to turn there, but I'll just read it. King David did it. I'm going to prove that to you. Verse 8 of Psalm 101 says, My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in the blameless way will be the one who ministers to me. He who practices deceit will not dwell in my house. He who speaks falsehood will not maintain his position before me. See, 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 God's just like that. He's looking for, he's seeking after people who have a heart for him. He is excited for the day when all of his children will be with him in eternity, you know. But you know what? He, he's never forced one person to go there with him. He's never forced one person to accept him, to receive him, to love him. He's never done that. He's made himself available. He's revealed himself in his word. He's revealed himself through what the Bible says is the foolishness of preaching. Amen. But he's never forced himself. You know, Pastor Tony's always saying that hell was not made for man, but, it, but, but God respects people's right to go there if they insist on rejecting him. But God's not rejecting you. God, he's ready to accept you. He's ready to receive you. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. And, and so we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to praise him for. Amen. Psalm 42, verse 1 says this, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? You know, God realizes that we have a need for him. We have a need to connect to him. And he wants to connect with us. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and, throw, to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. He's looking for people whose heart is his. You remember when uh, Samuel came to anoint the king? Saul had turned his back on God and was disobeying the Lord. And, and uh, God said, okay, I want you to go to the family of Jesse and anoint the son of his that I'll show you to be the next king. And so the first son, he went over there and they had a feast. And, and the first son, he said, I want to see your kids one at a time. And, and he said, and, and the first one came and he was tall and handsome. And, and Samuel thought, surely this is the one. He looks kingly. And God said, nah, I've rejected him as king, not as person necessarily, but he said, I've rejected him as king because you look on the outside, I look at the heart. He's seeking worshipers. He's looking to see whose hearts turn toward him. He's looking to see who's paying attention, who's actually singing to him when they're worshiping instead of thinking about, you know, the buffet after dinner or after church, you know? <laughs> I'm joking. They don't have buffets anymore, do they? Anyway, you know, the Lord looks at the heart. You know, the word says that he's not pleased by sacrifices of bulls and goats, even though he asked for it. He's not impressed by somebody going to church or giving money or helping at the shelter if you're doing it, trying to earn brownie points and trying to please him. That, that's not a heart that pleases God. Now, I'm not saying any of that's wrong. That just doesn't please him. But when we turn our hearts toward him, when we receive him, 
when we thank him, when we honor him, he knows that. He's very, 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 very aware of that. And God's not arrogant at all. You understand that? He's not arrogant in any way, shape, or form. He's not out there demanding anything. He's not even asking for anything. But he's so worthy. A minister, friend of mine, trying to help me understand what God was like when I was real young, um, had me open up to 1 Corinthians 13, and then they were like, no, 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 close it. I'm going to read it to you. So I'm going to read it the way they read it to me. All right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, we know that. You know, the Bible tells us that God is love, isn't he? You could meditate on that all day and never, ever begin to touch that because his love for you. See, our brains, a lot of times we, we want to reject that because we know us and, and we know the mistakes we've made and we know, you know, that we're human and that we get tired and we go through stuff and we don't feel like our faith stays steady and, you know, we, we beat ourselves up all the time. But, but the Bible says God is love and and. To, to actually get that down inside of us. But 1 Corinthians 13, starting with verse 4, since God is love, God is patient. God is kind. God is not jealous. God does not brag. He's not arrogant. God does not act unbecomingly. God does not seek his own. God is not provoked. God does not take into, an, into account a wrong. God does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. God bears all things. God believes all things. God hopes all things. God endures all things. God never fails. You know, a God like that, we can worship, can't we? You know, Jesus was humble at heart. Uh, Matthew Chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, Moses talked to God face to face in the temple or in the tabernacle. I mean, think about that, face to face. And, uh, you know, when Miriam and Aaron tried to criticize him for that, the Lord, the Lord dealt with them, didn't he? But, but, but the Numbers 12, 3 says that Moses was very humble. He was the meekest man on the face of the earth. See, being in God's presence didn't make him arrogant, didn't make him, oh, I'm holier than you, I'm better than you, God talks to me. <laughs> no, it says he was the meekest man on the earth. See, just being with him, it just puts your heart in the right place, puts your mind in the right place. You know, back to John 4, it says the hour is coming and now is when true or truthful worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. I like that. You know, the truth is, is that God's amazing, that God's awesome, that God holds everything together, that God fixes things in our lives, that he's our healer, he's our savior. You know, he, uh, and, and worship is acknowledging the truth. If we're going to be truthful, say the people who, who don't want to worship are the ones who are not being truthful because they're not acknowledging the truth of what the world is. You know, he's our creator, Amen. Worship is seeing God for who he is. Worship is acknowledging the truth of, of what he actually is and what he's done for us. Worship's being thankful for what he's done, what he's going to do. Amen? Amen. I, uh, I, I remember, oh heavens, back in the 80s, there, there, there was this big worship movement, okay? And if any of you were there, I know Jeannie. Jeannie knows what I'm talking about, but... But uh, there was this big movement, and then there was, you know, they, they were 
teaching tambourine. Did you have any of that going on in your church? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, they, they, they'd, they'd come in their dance skins and, and tambourine up and down the aisles. You're like, really? Um, but but here, here's, this is really funny to me. What they'd say is, worship, worship has to be spontaneous. Like, well, there's something about that that sounds really good, but that is really, really, really not true, okay? <laughs> I'm going I'm I'm to tell you why. Thank God for Rick Renner. I, I, I borrowed this from Rick because Rick is a Greek scholar, and I am not. John 16, uh, John 16, verse 13 says this, but when he... The spirit of truth comes. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. And this is Jesus talking still. He will glorify me. Let's just stop there for a minute. Well, let me finish that. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and disclose it to you. The spirit will glorify me. Now, you could look at that and say, okay, that's, what does that mean? You know, is that God praising God? No, no, that's not what that means. That word glorify, thank you, Rick Renner, uh, comes from the Greek dokeo, which means, are you ready? Here's, here goes the spontaneous thing out the window. The word dokeo means to think. Our minds are involved in worship. And we already knew that because Paul wrote, you remember, in 1 Corinthians, he wrote, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with my mind. Remember that? Yeah. I will pray with my mind also. I will sing with the Spirit and sing with my mind also. See, that, that word glorify is an intentional thought that starts in our mind. Now, your spirit gets involved. Don't think your spirit's not involved in that. Your spirit is absolutely involved in that. But it starts right there in your head. Now, I want you to think back. Old Testament, do you remember uh, Solomon when he was dedicating the temple? <laughs> it's, it's, it's almost funny because there were thousands of singers. There were, they, they had this all organized, the priests carrying the ark. When they, they, and they sacrificed, it says... They sacrificed so many sheep and oxen that they could not be counted or numbered. Now, do you think that happened spontaneously? Yeah, no. There's no possibility that happened spontaneously. It was very, very organized. The worship of God that happened at the dedication of the temple was planned. It was practice. There were like 1,400 singers or something. I, I didn't look up the number, but some insane number of people. Now, do you think they were just spontaneously singing? No, that would be like my family singing happy birthday. Not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. We try to sing as bad as possible. I'm not joking. Anyway, uh, no, no. See, it wasn't spontaneous at all. It was planned. It was orchestrated. It was like, you do this, and I'm going to do this, and, and this group's going to be here, and this group's here, and I don't know what they did with all those oxen and sheep and whatever. You know, I don't care. I wasn't there, and I'm not too worried about it. But, but, but it says, let's see here. There were 120 priests. This is verse uh, 2 Chronicles 5, verse 13, verse 12. 120 priests blowing trumpets in unison when the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and glorify the Lord. And they lifted up their voice accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music. And when they praised the Lord saying, He indeed is good for His loving kindness is everlasting. Now look what happened. Say the spontaneous thing. Then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Apparently, God was not bothered by their preparation and their thinking. Okay? You know, our worship team, they don't just show up here on Sunday and Wednesday and just sing, they actually practice. I know this is a shock to, no, it's not a shock to anyone. You know, they, they have to work and they have to organize their instruments and who's going to be here and who's not going to be here. And they have to plan it all out. And yet the presence of God is in an awesome 
display when they show up and we can all just jump in and worship the Lord and it's an awesome time in God. Amen? But, but see, God's not bothered by our preparation and our planning. Amen? You know, if, if Leanne and I have somebody over to our house, we don't just decide we're going to have a spontaneous evening and hope for a good time. No, no. There's some planning that goes into that. We may or may not clean up or straighten up the house a little. Maybe. And, um, you know, we may buy some food and prepare some food or, or you know, do you want to play a game? Are we going to sit outside? You know, what are we going to do? See what I mean? You know, it, spontaneous doesn't mean... Now, spont spontaneity is a good thing. We may put the dog toys away, too, by the way. Um, and if we're going to be in the backyard, I may have to clean up the backyard a little since the dog goes out there a lot. So, you know, but, but see, here's the deal. The Lord looks at the heart. You know, we just jump in and we just start worshiping him. But there's planning and thinking that goes into that. Amen? It's a good thing. It's a good thing. You know, worship isn't mindless. It isn't pointless. It is us acknowledging our creator, appreciating him, honoring him, loving him, thanking him, and letting him know that, that we value him. And I'll tell you what, he meets us right there because the word says he's seeking. He's out looking. He's looking to and fro around the earth to find those whose heart is right toward him. And when we start worshiping, when we start honoring him, when we start thanking him, our heart's in the right place. And God's able to talk. You know, I can't, I was, uh, years ago, we were, we were, I think we were still over at the other building, and, and I was, I don't remember, I like, I, I'm not a front row guy, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm a kind of a back row kind of guy, usually, but, but for some reason, I was sitting up close to the front that day, I do not remember why, and, and you know, we, the worship started and the Lord started talking to me. I don't think I knew one thing about what we sang that day. I don't think I knew anything about it. He gave me an entire sermon in about three minutes. And, 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 and I'm kind of writing down some notes and trying to look discreet because I'm just like, I'm in awe because he's just talking to me like nonstop. And, and I, uh, I had somebody pull me aside after, somebody on the worship team pulled me aside after church, and they were like, um, can I ask you a question? I was like, sure. They were like, was, was God talking to you during worship? I'm like, yeah. They were like, you were like almost glowing. I was like, okay. But see, see, God just meets us wherever we're at. You know, it's not wrong that he starts talking to me in the middle of worship. That's not, that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You know, he, he just knows your heart. You know, I, I, some of my most, in fact, the, the, there's been two times in my life when, when, when I had that voice that sounded like it wasn't in me, speaking like, a, like somebody talking behind me, the Lord speaking like in words, and it sounds like somebody's standing behind you. Both times when that happened, I was in church, you know, and, and, and nobody else heard it. Made me jump both times. <laughs> It's like, because it's like, who is talking? Who is talking to me? But um, the, you know, when we come, see, we don't just come and sing songs, okay? You know, come with a heart prepared to worship him, to honor him, to thank him, to meet him here, because he's going to meet you. If you meet him, he'll meet you. You know, seek and you shall fine. Knock and the door shall be ask and it shall be given. You know, we, we have to come in with the right attitude. We're going to talk more about that Sunday morning. But, but when we show up with a heart full, he meets us right where we're at. And I'll tell you what. Worship happens. Amen. Turn over to uh, We'll finish up with this. Revelation chapter 5. You can turn there if you would. I'm just going to read some of this. Because I love this. Revelation chapter 5. John, is, John was carried up to heaven. And uh, start with verse, we'll start with verse 1. 
I saw in the right hand of him, meaning God, who sat on the throne, a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who, you know, you ever think about that? Okay, everybody who describes seeing an angel says they're really huge and strong. So this one's a really strong angel. I don't know. I mean, if, if, if compared to all the other angels, this one was really strong. John was noticing, amen? All right, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look on it. And then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or look in it. And one of the elders said to me, stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so he is able to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the, all the earth. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nations. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked, and I saw the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the numbers was and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and all things in them. And I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. You know, worship is the body of Christ. The body of Christ can step together and all of us together in one voice can worship him, can honor him, can thank him, can bless him because he is worthy. His blood saved us and redeemed us. And he brought us to a place where we could be in his family and be with him forever and ever and ever. Amen. So when you come to worship, come with a full heart. Amen.